bless you for just another day, God, that you allowed us, oh God, to be a part of the land that we're living, God, because somebody somewhere, God, didn't see today, but God, we bless you, and we honor you and appreciate you for your faithfulness unto us. God, I thank you, God, for this time, this opportunity, God, to be a part of this great ministry. God, in um, Keys School, God, and I just thank you, God. I ask that you will bless every teacher, God, as they continue to teach and pour into us as a student. Bless every student. God, we just ask that you just be glorified and just use, God, every teacher, God, to speak, God, and to minister in the way that you desire desire for today and we bless you for it in Jesus name. In Jesus name. Amen. Today we were starting chapter one, transitioning to prophetic office. Now when you look at the word transitioning, it itself tells you exactly the purpose of this class. It means that you've, God has already equipped you and trained you in other areas how to hear his voice, the many ways to hear his voice. God's already been training you and using you in dreams and visions, and you're able to get a clear understanding of the symbols in your dream language, what God is really trying to say to you. You minister to people, um, bringing healing to the body of Christ. God's already using you in areas of speaking prophetically into individuals as into corporate groups through preaching and to, through teaching. And so you've already been walking this way for a while. Now it's time for you to go into the phase where you go from just prophetic ministry to prophetic office. At that point, your functions change. Those who just walk in prophetic ministry, they operate primarily in um, encouraging, building up, and edifying the body of Christ. And you do it through personal prophecy or group prophecy. Um, if you are allotted in your local assembly the time and the space to minister to people openly without restraint, um, you're used to doing that. So sometimes you can do it without even thinking about it. Uh, you get up, and all of a sudden, through your sleep, through prayer, God can give you a word for somebody. And so you're sitting on that word until you get the opportunity or the green light to give the person the word. You've learned that you have to understand the timing of God. When you first start off from prophetic ministry, you make a lot of mistakes because you be just opening your mouth when you need to keep your mouth closed. As soon as you get something, I don't know if you were the same way, but as I was growing up, getting started. I was scared to death how my heart would raise, my hands would get sweaty. I felt an urgency. I had to tell the person this because if I don't, if they die and they sin, he said the blood would be on my hand if I didn't tell them. And I took that very seriously, but it wasn't always time for me to tell it to them. Therefore, a lot of times I jumped ahead of the horse. I took the cart put it in the front and the horse was actually following the car because I would always get a sharp rebuke or I would get rejected. I get my feelings hurt or people would say things like, I don't believe God told you to tell that to me. I don't receive that. And I'm going, then why would you get, tell that to me, God? Why would you show this to me if I wasn't supposed to tell it to them? Well, I had to learn the hard way because, you know, when you first get started in prophetic ministry, you don't know what you're doing. And until you're being trained or mentored by someone who does, 
who's already walked where you are, you make a lot of enemies and you make a lot of mistakes. Unless you're fortunate to have one of those pastors that know who they are in prophetic ministry and God uses them in that area, they're able to help you. Because actually, once God reveals to you what your calling and your gifts are, the body is supposed to confirm your gifts. They see how you're operating. They see how your word comes to pass. And so they believe in you, who you are, and they begin to support you. But if you're unfortunate, like me and some others, your congregation doesn't actually understand prophetic ministry and how it works either. Yes, yeah, easy to see it on TV when the well-known name prophets and prophetess are doing what they do you get all hyped up oh i'm gonna be able to do that and you see yourself doing what they do talking to thousands of people at one time and that's not really the case with you god may not be using you that way he may use you a whole different way but as you walk you come into understanding, wait a minute, I didn't do that right. That should have been different because that's not how it happened with them. They're being received. Why am I being rejected? Not realizing this is part of your training to begin with. A middle name of a prophet is rejection. And so therefore they get rejected all through their training. They start getting rejected from birth. Maybe you come up in a house full of younger or older kids and it seemed like they get their way but you always get resisted it's always like no you can't do it what you let them do it well you're not them god had a purpose for that on purpose god wouldn't let us get involved in stuff that would have been detrimental to the call on our life we just didn't realize it at the time we would get mad we get frustrated we turn rebellious because that ain't fair how come you let this one do that but you wouldn't let me do this and so as you grow in the Lord, you come to understand, okay, it ain't because God's picking on me. It ain't because God hates me. It's because the call that's on my life, God, is, is important to God. And so God wants to make sure I don't abort it. God wants to make sure Satan don't steal, kill, and destroy it because that's what Satan wants to do. Satan hates true prophets. He hates them with a passion. And because he's a spirit like God is, he can see you in the spirit where you can't. He understands what God's trying to do with you and I. And so he wants to block it. He wants to hinder it. He wants to completely kill it off so you don't come into what God says you are. But then he forgets who God is. Because God got some others out there that at certain periods of your time, your training and your preparation, God will bless them in your pathway. And God lets them deposit into you, which is encouraging, like Apostle Colette Toach, of who we use her materials to teach. At the time that we cross her path through the reading of her books, God begins to show us why that happened, why he took this away, why he prevented you from going that direction, why he wouldn't let this one come in your life. He begins to show you these things and it starts to make sense. Light bulbs start going off in your head. Okay, God, I understand now. God, at first I wanted to quit, but I don't want to quit no more because I know this is what you called me to do. Thank you for giving me the answers to my questions. God, I feel better now. Now, does that fix everything? No. 
you might be rolling around with a bunch of patchwork in your tire. Because you know how you plug a tire because <laughs> you don't want to get another tire? Sometimes we feel like we got a bunch of plugs in our tire and we just keep going until we have to get another tire. But you know what? God has purpose for those plugs in your tire. Yes, ma'am. I was going to say that is so true. I was, but I was kind of the opposite. Um, I didn't say anything. Transitioning to prophetic office. The more you learn, the more you realize how little you really know. It is at this stage of the journey that your prophetic ministry comes into focus. It was as 
as if you were looking through a frosted glass trying to reach for the impossible. However, the closer you have gotten to your goal of prophetic office, the more unprepared you feel to walk in it, to walk it out. There was a time when all you wanted to do was all you wanted to be was a prophet. There was a time when prophetic office was all that consumed your thoughts and intentions. As you have engaged in spiritual warfare, faced the truth of your flesh in training, and have ranked up your frequent flyer miles to your visits to the cross, a new revelation begins to dawn on you. You are not ready. All right, let's stop right there. So, when I when I first um, said yes, Lord, first of all, my, my transitioning um, when I when I first received the Holy Ghost, um, it happened about two weeks later. I will be sleep on my bed. It'll be two and three o'clock in the morning. I'll feel this overwhelming sense of joy come over me. I will feel it's almost like I will feel the love of God, and it would overtake. I'd be laying on my bed. And I'm like, what is this feeling? I feel like a newborn baby. Um, it was at that time God started showing me stuff about different things, different people, and showing me things. I'm like, what, what am I looking at? Um, where I had to take my frequent flyer visits to the cross is when I would run up to people and tell them stuff that they were not prepared to hear. God had not yet dealt with their heart. Um, I got to the point where my flesh was in control because... Um, it, it, and you know, dealing with Prophetess Boussey, I, I seen all that she went through, but I seen it's almost like you seek the glory that they walk in, but you don't see the pain that they have to endure. Um, and I seen her able to be accurate when she will call things out and see things and say stuff, even concerning me. And I said, Well, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted, I said, God, that's tight. I want to do that. And so I would get it, I would get to that point. Well, I had to go through some rejections. I had to go through some people um, saying, no, you're, you're wrong, and that ain't accurate, and I've had people tell me I'm a loose cannon, and you um, you can't be trusted. I have to walk on eggshells with you when you talk, and all that extra stuff, and so um, it was not an easy thing to deal with, but that was where my flesh began to get crucified, because it was no longer just to let your flesh rule, it was God. God, you got to rule in this. You got to show me when to go and when not to go. So that was one of my, that was a piece of my crucifixion. Uh, did you have any crucifixions? Crucifixions? <laughs> What's a crucifixion? Uh, but because I discovered over the years, without a mentor, without somebody to personally train you, it could take 30 to 40 years for you to get through this, the preparation part, because you don't have a clue what's taking place in your life and you're turning all the wrong ways and you're experiencing stuff that's making you rebel against God versus come to God. And through personal experience, you know, I thought I was the black sheep of my family. I thought I was an adopted one and everybody else was blood family because I had noticed of the eight children in my family, I was always the goody two-shoe. Everybody else didn't care about getting in trouble. They didn't care if they got caught. I was the type that it's either right or wrong. I'm either going to do right or I'm going to do wrong. And if I'm going to do wrong, I'm not going to do it in church. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to kick my heels up and do what I do. Even though it brought conviction. 
And I thought the rapture was going to come while I was still out there. So I would hightail it back in the house of God because I was scared to death I was going to get left behind. I couldn't see myself in hell. So even as a child, at the age of six, I'm, my parents are ushering because we had the balcony and they were always in the balcony at the Old Grace. And somebody said, isn't that your daughter down there getting baptized? I was already in the pool. I ain't even asked them. I felt so convicted that I felt I needed to have the Holy Ghost because I didn't want to go to hell at the age of six. That's just how much God pulled on me. At the age of seven, no, I think I was still six. I kept hearing my mother call my name. And I would run down there. Yes, ma'am? I ain't call you. I said, yes, you did. Because I would always hear it in her voice. And... I didn't know, and I, she did it three times, and I said, you did call my name. She said, no, you didn't. Now, my mother didn't know the Lord fully. She was saved, but she didn't have all the knowledge, and she would say, don't answer, it's the devil. Well, okay, I didn't answer, because I'm listening to my mother. Only it would happen again, and again, and again. And so, I'm going, who's this calling my name that I don't didn't know it was God? There's a lot of ways that I met God and the experiences that I had, I didn't know it was God. People always say, what you don't know won't hurt you, but the devil is a liar. Knowledge is power. What you don't know, you miss out on a lot of stuff. And so as I got older, I still loved God. I still desired God. It intensified. When I became a teenager, things happened. I didn't do everything right. But you know, when I turned 18, some things happened in my life I couldn't explain. And I thought God was picking on me. So I got up, I was 18 years old. My son was 15 months old. I was a divorced mother at the age of 18. I was divorced already. The different things that I had to go through, I couldn't understand, why me? Why me? It didn't happen to none of my other siblings. Why me? Well, when I turned 18, I got in trouble with my mom. And of course, that next morning I got up, I wanted to go to church. At that time, I was trying to go to this Baptist church because you know you feel less convicted. <laughs> I'm sorry sometimes if you're not where you know you're supposed to be. So my goal was to go to this Baptist church that my grandmother went to. I asked the friend that got me in trouble to go with me. I said, well, if we're going to get in trouble together, you might as well go to church with me together. And so we were talking, and we pulled up in front of the church, and I parked. She said, you're not there. I said, yes, I am. Get out of the car. She said, no, you're not there. I said, yes, I am. And she said, look. I have to look and said, Grace Apostolic Church. I went, I wasn't trying to come here, but since we're here, let's go in. And you've seen that White Castle commercial where the smoke has got that finger saying, come here. Well, all while the Bishop's Choir singing, because they're singing, I'm going up yonder. And I can see that finger doing this for the altar call. And I'm going, I don't want to go down there. I'm, I had my hand gripped and vice grips on the seat. And it pulled my hands off. I found myself going down there, giving my life to God. And my friend said, what are you doing? Where are you going? I came back. I had gotten restored because I received the Holy Ghost when I was eight years old. And I went home and I've done the work of an evangelist. I came in the house, I was doing cartwheels, I was screaming to the top of my lungs, and I said, y'all gotta come back to church with me tonight. Blah, 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 I got saved. And they all looked at me like I was retarded. But my brother back here, his twin sister, 
five of my family members went back to church with me that night, and all five of them came back full of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. I didn't stop there. I kept going. God moved. You know, God had a purpose for everything that we go through. I didn't understand it, but standing here today, everything I went through, I see the purpose and why I had to go through it. It was making me into the prophet that God said I already was. Like you, I ain't know what no prophet was. I read about him in the Bible, but that's all I knew. I didn't know I was going to be one. I didn't know I was going to train him. I just knew that's what the Bible said, but they ain't got nothing to do with me. Well, I beg to differ today. It had everything to do with me. And I bless God for the things I had to go through. Because like the Bible says about Jesus Christ, our Father, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Most of my stuff was self-inflicted. But I suffered nonetheless, and I learned obedience to God through the things that I suffered. The life of a prophet is a suffering life. And we have to understand that God does it in phases. He don't just cram it all in you at once. He'll let you live a little. He'll take, give you a break. Then he'll bring you back in school. And then he'll give you a break. And then he'll let you go through some life experiences. And then he'll give you a break. But lifelong, when that appointed time comes, you're going to be exactly what he says you're going to be. Come high or high water, however that expression went. You're going to get there. You can get there kicking and scratching, or you can get there and be cooperative, but you're going to get there. And you're going to look back over your life and say, God, thank you. I'm so glad you allowed me to go through that. You didn't kill me. I thought you was going to, but you didn't kill me. But now I see why you did it. And we have to agree with God. Because what does the Bible say? How can two walk together except they agree? Well, at first we weren't agreeing. That's why we were suffering. We were not agreeing with God. Now, where I am to, the, to this day, I can agree with God. Yes, it was all needed and necessary. And if you had to do it all over again, I'd have to say yay and amen. Because he knows what's best for us. He knows what's in you. He knows what will mess up his plan for you. As my husband and I were talking, the Bible says God watches over his word. If his word is in you, he's watching over it. He ain't gonna let none destroy you because his word's in you. So he has to protect his word because he and his word are one. You cannot separate God from his word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And in 14 it said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld the glory of the only begotten Son of God. The Word and Jesus are the same. Psalms 105.20 said, He sent His Word and He healed us. Who was the Word? Jesus. He sent Jesus and He healed us. And Isaiah 53 says, By the stripes of Jesus, we're healed. He sent His Word and He healed us. Jesus healed us. Okay, well, why am I still feeling this? And why am I still going through this? Nonetheless, the Bible cannot lie. And the Bible says by two immutable things, it's impossible for God to lie. If he said it, who gonna stop him from doing it? So prophets of God, as you're going through your training, you're about to transition from ministry to office. Ministry deals with the gifts. 
office deals with function, two different things. You may have been doing the gifts all your life since you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And you have. Sometimes you didn't know it, but you have. But as far as the functions is concerned, you haven't started yet. And so functions is different from gifts. That doesn't mean God won't use you in the gifts anymore, because you will. But you have no need to urgently use the gifts because you go from using the gift to you become the gift. The ascension gift is an office. It's about functions. So as we transition into prophetic office in chapter one, it is at this stage of the journey that your prophetic ministry becomes comes into focus. I'm on page. What page is this? Page 10. Yes, and I'm in the second paragraph. However, the closer you have gotten to your goal of prophetic office, the more unprepared you feel to walk it out. Okay, now that you're getting ready to change from ministry to function or to office, you feel like, well, I ain't ready. I hear Walker talk about it all the time. I don't feel like that's where I'm supposed to be at. I felt the same way. And then when I got released into office, I felt like nothing changed. But you know what? You walk it out and you see the difference. Because two years later, I can see the difference. I feel the difference. You don't feel it right away. So as you're preparing to transition into a whole new phase of prophetic ministry, you may feel like I ain't qualified. I ain't good enough. And then all of a sudden you want to do like Peter did after Jesus uh, died on the cross and they put him in the tomb and he said I'm going to fishing and then some of the disciples followed him to go fishing so he went right back to what Jesus pulled him from because I don't feel different no more I don't feel like this is where I'm supposed to be at but you know what it wasn't until the Holy Ghost came that he realized who he was in God we don't always realize who we are because we can't really see outside of us People don't readily anymore tell you what you said to them, what you did for them, how you ministered to them, had a positive or negative effect on them. They just don't say nothing. And then when you find out it came to pass, well, when were they going to tell me? How am I supposed to know if you don't tell me? I've said this for a long time. I knew it came to pass. But when were you going to tell me? It encourages a prophet especially when they're in training, when they know something they did came to pass and it happened just like God used them. But you know, people are shut mouth. They don't want to say nothing, but they'll tell to everybody else. You find out on Facebook and it's like, what? How come you couldn't just come up and say, thank you, what you said to me came to pass. How hard is that? But it doesn't always happen. That can be discouraging. That's still another form of rejection for that prophet. And so you don't want to say nothing to nobody else because you don't know the rest of it came to pass. So I could be just up here spinning my wheel, spitting words out of my mouth. Exactly. And so it's all part of the training and the equipping because it ain't really got nothing to do with me or you. God knows it came to pass. They know it came to pass. You got to keep walking it out. Don't get discouraged. This is not an easy transition. Part of you going to say, forget it, I give up, I'm going back, I don't want to go no further. The other part of you wants to say, wait a minute, I got to go and see what the end's going to be. I got to keep running because the scripture says, be not weary and well-doing. 
for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. You can't give up. You can't take your eyes off your prize. You have to stay focused, as the Lord tells me all the time. Stay focused. The enemy throws distractions in there to get you off focus because he wants you to fail. And if you all focus for too long, you're going to start making some terrible mistakes. Even in office, you have to stay focused. Even more crucial because in office, your authority changes. So when you say something, it's going to happen just like you said it, whether it's good or bad. You have to watch what comes out of your mouth because your authority as prophet in office is greater than it was in ministry. And so we have to be purposeful. As the Holy Ghost told me, he said, when I walked the earth, I spoke with purpose. I just wasn't in idle chatter just to be talking. When I spoke, I wanted something to take place. He said, you have to start speaking with purpose. If there's nothing you want to take place, keep your mouth shut. Yeah, people don't always go well with that because they think you're trying to isolate yourself or you think you're better than them. They think all kind of negative things, but you know what? He never said this would be easy. And if it was good enough for him, who was our Lord and Savior, it's good enough for us. Because he's with us going through it. He didn't leave us to go through it alone. He is with us the whole way. So as I prepare to wrap up this session, we will pick it up at another time. But we thank God for what God has done. We're in Prophetic Key Chapter 1. And so we're going to end in prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for equipping us to be able to do what you have called us forth in this hour to do. We thank you, oh God, you put us in a place to learn. Give us a, a teachable spirit to learn, oh God, that we will receive enlightenment, clarity, and understanding as you could keep blessing us with all spiritual wisdom and revelation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord God, we give you full control of our capacities, oh God, that as you prepare us and equip us to go forth, to bring healing to your body in Jesus' name. Amen.